they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, it is so good to be sharing with you today. And um, as well as being from Cambridge, as well as training to be a vet, uh, another fact for you to know about me is uh, I used to play rugby. Uh, played quite a lot of rugby all the way through school years, all the way through uni years. I think there might be a little picture behind me. Um, this is the least strange face that I could find out of all the pictures of me playing rugby. So there you go, I played a lot, um, but I also went to see uh, a few games, a few international games live. And uh, uh, give me a wave, whether in the room or at home, if you've been to a rugby match. Come on, there's a few out there. And uh, the atmosphere is just absolutely electric. And I went to see Scotland play the All Blacks, play New Zealand in Murrayfield. Um, what an amazing event it was. You know, it was just electric. They have these like flamethrowers that come up when the players run onto pitch. There was a RAF flyover, there were bagpipes, there was the hacker, and uh, a wonderful game in which Scotland, unsurprisingly, uh, got absolutely thrashed. Uh, apologies to any Scottish friends tuning in. Uh, it happens to everyone when they play the All Blacks. But, you know, it was such an amazing event. And I went up there as a kind of 17, 18-year-old. I felt really inspired. I felt kind of, I felt pumped. But it was a very short-lived event as well. Because, you know, after the players had left the pitch and gone back to the changing room, me and my friends from school, we got back on the bus, we went home, and we carried on our lives just exactly the way that we had before. And where we find ourselves today, in the text, in the story, the book of Acts, what we've just heard read to us, another amazing event has just happened. The day that we call Pentecost. In the city of Jerusalem, nearly 2,000 years ago, God had come close to his people. He had filled them with his presence, with his power and his peace. And unlike my rugby moment, which was a short-lived, one-off, lived on in my memory for these people who were there at the time, this event so radically impacted and changed their life that it set them on a completely new direction. For you see, the Holy Spirit had come and had revived them, had filled them, had given them fresh life. But they then went on to live out that revived life on a revived mission in a revived community. And that's what we're going to be looking at together as a church, family, friends and guests for the next six weeks. We're going to camp down here and we're going to spend a little bit of time learning from the early church. We're going to listen to them. We're going to see what is it that they did? How did they live out a life that was full of passion and was full of faith and was full of peace and was full of joy and ultimately changed the city and the region and the nations where they were? You know, I think this is so important for us as a church because as we come out of a year like no other, you know, we've all changed, haven't we? We've changed individually. 
We've changed as a church. We've changed as a nation and the world. And I think we need somewhere to just ground our feet and to learn again from these guys who pioneered and spearheaded the way. Like Dave said as we started this series, we're not going back 15 months to learn. We're hooking back 2,000 years, bringing it into the present day and going, God, would you revive us as the church? Would you set us on fire again? Would you fill us and send us into a world that so desperately needs you? Come on. Yeah. And so today, we are going to start by just looking at the first verse there. It's a short verse, 18 words, but so much in it. And it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. But before we go on, let me just pray for all of us tuning in today. Father God, I want to thank you that you have an amazing plan and purpose for us individually and together. And I pray right now, would you open our ears, open our minds and our hearts to hear from you and be changed by you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've got, um, I've got a little joke for you guys today. Uh, I don't normally tell jokes, so we'll see how well uh, this goes down. It feels quite topical. Um, what happens to a politician when they fall out of favour? What happens to a politician when they fall out of favour? They get devoted. Yeah. <laughs> the groans ensue. They get devoted. You know, the early church, too, in a completely different way, they got devoted. This verse says they devoted themselves to four things. But before we move on to these four things, it's important to actually just stop for a second and realize that they were devoted to these four things. In other words, these weren't just four things on the side. They weren't just when we've got a little bit of time or energy or maybe we'll do it today, maybe not. But no, these were things that were core to them. These were things they were passionate about and committed to that, that made up their lives. And as I was preparing for this time together today, I was thinking, how do we know what we're devoted to? How do we know what's really, really important to us? And you know, I came up with uh, two ways. There may be more I came up with too. I think we can tell what we are devoted to by our desires and our doings. By our desires and our doings. Firstly, our desires. You know, what do we want? What are we passionate about? What do we spend our time thinking about when we've got those spare moments? What overflows into our conversations? You know, for me, uh, often it's food. If I'm going to be completely honest, it's food. Right? Many times, Annabelle and I will be out for a walk somewhere. We'll just be wandering along, maybe in silence. And suddenly I'll be like, oh, you know, I really fancy some macaroni cheese for dinner. You know, I, lo I love my food. I think about it. It flows out into my conversations. But, you know, if we just dig a little bit deeper into our own lives, what are our desires? What are the things that we're passionate about? Our hopes, our dreams might be worth just taking 10 minutes this week, just to think about it. Because I think, you know, our devotion begins with our desires. It begins with our hearts. It begins with our love. But it doesn't stop there. It also flows out into our doings. It flows out into our doings, the things we do, the things that we spend our money on, the things we spend our time on. Now, obviously, there's some things that we, we have to do. We have to stay alive. Some of us have jobs. We look after family. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to sleep. Sleep is good, keeps us alive. But but what about the rest of the time? What about 
the time we set our alarm and the time we go to bed and the time in between, our evenings, our weekends, how are we investing our time and our energy? You know, again, I'm going to give you lots of homework as we go through this. Why not take 10, 15 minutes this week and just stop and think? What does what I do tell me about my devotions? What does my calendar and my diary, for those of you who are super organized out there, tell me about my devotion? What does my bank balance and my budget tell me about it? What does my browsing history, my Netflix watching, my phone app usage, how much time I'm spending on different things, what does it tell me? I know I'm not here today to tell you whether those things are right or wrong, but I am encouraging you to stop and to just think a little bit about what we do and what it shows us about our hearts. I know this is really important because I think these two things, our desires and our doings, they're not just kind of separate things off to one side, but they actually connect and interrelate together. So I live in Cambridge, as Karen said. Uh, I've been down there for many years and uh, ride a bike around a lot. So I wanted you to picture, I wanted to actually have a, have a bike, but I thought this could go uh, drastically wrong. So imagine I've got a bike here, okay, and it's got two pedals. And it's like one is desires and one is our doings. And those two are interconnected. So it's almost like you get your foot on, okay? You can like mind this with me as well if you want. You've got your foot on, your desires. These are the things you want to do. And when you push down, you start to move forward. The other pedal comes up, which is your doings. And then you put your foot on that and push. And the other one comes up. And so it happens that the things we want to do are the things we do. And that makes us want to do them more. So we do them more. So we want them more. So we do them more. And it gains momentum. And this is a really great thing if the bike is headed in the right direction. It's a really great reinforcing of our devotion if the bike is heading the way that we want it to head. But I know for myself, and I'm, I'm sure for many people listening today, sometimes our bike can get slightly off-center and slightly askew, and we start putting our devotions and our desires and our doings into the wrong place and making good things into ultimate things and chasing after things that ultimately are about maybe self or status or stuff. But you know, I'm going to say to you here today, if you feel like your bike, your life is slightly off course, then it is not too late to bring it back into alignment, to line up your devotion, your desires, your doings into the life that God has called you to. And you know, yeah. And this is where we come back into the story of the early church. Because if we track through the book of Acts, we see that these guys, these early believers, their life was so full of everything that we want and need. It was so full of hope. It was so full of peace. It was full of joy. It was full of purpose. It was full of adventure. It was full of community. It was full of belonging. And so if we do a little bit of reverse engineering, we look at their life, but then we backtrack and we come back to this verse and we see what is it that they were devoted to? What were the four things they gave their time and energy into that shaped their whole lives? So we're going to dig into each of those four very briefly now. And the first one is this. This is what the early church showed us. This is what I believe I need, you need, we need together. We need a revival of devotion, firstly, to the apostles' teaching. A revival of devotion to the apostles' teaching. Now, what's going on here as we look back in the story? Well, these early believers, these people have been filled with God and they've encountered a God who loves them. And their lives have been totally changed. And so obviously they want to know more. They want to know more. They want to know, what, what should I do now? How do I live my life? And so they go to the 12 apostles. 
the disciples, the one who had been with Jesus, Judas having been replaced by Matthias. And they come to them and they say, tell, tell us that like, you were with Jesus. You saw him, you lived with him, you ate with him. What did he do? What did he say? How did he think? And the apostles taught them and shared their wisdom and shared the life and the love of Jesus with them. You know, I was in full-time education for a very fun 20 years. Uh, and uh, all that time learning and studying and growing and enjoying the perks of student life, like student discounts. Anyone out there, student discounts? I still try it sometimes. I walk into a coffee shop, they'll say, are you a student? I'll say, I was a student. Um, it hasn't worked to this day, but I'll keep trying. But the reality is we are all still students. We are all still learning and growing on this faith journey that we are on together. And some of us here, some of us watching in, will have been on this journey for many, 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 many years. And some of us are just starting out. We're just checking it out. We're taking those first steps. I want to encourage us all, let's not grow stagnant. Let's not grow static, but let's keep leaning in to what the apostles have to tell us. And you might say, well, Chris, we haven't got Peter, James, and John in the room with us today. They're not behind me. They're not going to come and share. No, we don't. But we do have their words. We do have their teachings. We do have their life inspired by the Holy Spirit, written down by them, brought to life by the Holy Spirit for us in our Bibles. Whether paper version, whether on your phone, whether you listen to it, we have life at our fingertips. You know, these words, this truth, this apostle's teaching is dynamite that has the power to completely change our lives. Napoleon Bonaparte, not someone who uh, you'd normally expect to be talking about the Bible, he said these words. He said, the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all that oppose it. Come on, it is a living thing. It is the living word of God that if you will take it, if you will read it, if you will study it, if you will meditate on it and memorize and chew it over and apply it into your life, it will radically change your life, this church, the communities that you live in. You know, I think um, when we think about devotion, I think of another word beginning with D, which is dabbling. And uh, I know for much of my life, I dabbled in the Bible. I dabbled in the Word of God. But you know, when I made that decision to turn, and I still have to make that decision to have an ongoing devotion, it changes something within me. Because you know, when I need peace, I can find it in this Word. When I need direction, I can find it in this Word. When I need hope, when I need courage, I can find it in His Word. So let's together, as a church, revive our devotion to the apostles' teaching. So that's the first thing. The second thing we need here, together today, is a revival of devotion to prayer. A revival of devotion to prayer. The early church, the believers, they didn't just want to hear from God. They didn't just want to read the words of God, but they wanted to speak to God in return. You know, the Bible has often been called a love letter from God. And I wonder uh, if any of you here today have ever received a love letter. Um, I've received many. Uh, when Annabelle and I were dating, uh, we would send each other love letters all the time. I say letters, I mean texts, but you know, it's, the, it's the same thing really. And, uh, and can you imagine what would have happened when I, kind of, I hear the ding of my phone in my pocket, I take it out, it's a, little, it's a little love text from Annabelle, and I look at it, and I read it, and I study it, and I smile, and then... I'll turn my phone off and I put it back in my pocket and I carry on with the rest of my day. That's going to get me negative boyfriend points and negative husband points. Now, no, that's not what happened. That's not what I did. I took it out. I read it. I treasured it. I studied it. And then I replied and I spoke back and I poured out my heart in return. 
every text, every moment, every word, building connection, building relationship between us. And you know, this thing that we call Christianity, at its heart, is a two-way relationship with a God who wants to speak to us and hear from us, who wants to be known by us and connect with us. Yeah. And if we will make the decision today to step in, I know we are a praying church. We've got a season coming up of prayer and fasting. I'm so excited to be part of a church that loves prayer. But you know, if we will each take up the challenge and the encouragement to step in with fresh devotion, ask God to revive us again, what could happen? What could change? If we reshaped some of our habits or some of our lives around prayer, Instead of when we've got five minutes picking out our phone, we actually said, you know what, I'm just going to pray for every single member in my life group right now. In that moment of just walking in between buildings, maybe you're around town, just praying for the people that walk past us saying, Holy Spirit, come fill them. Give them peace. Give them favour. Pour out your love on them. What would change? If we look in the book of Acts, we see what would change. This church, they spent so much time praying. They were devoted to it. They poured out their lives in prayer to God, and they saw the world <laughs> transformed. So let's ask God and let's press in for revival of devotion to the apostles' teaching, the revival of devotion to prayer, and then thirdly, a revival of devotion to fellowship. A revival of devotion to fellowship. Now this is a little bit of a strange word, but at its heart, what it really means is the shared life. The shared life. And what it paints is a picture of this early church sharing everything together, sharing their time together, sharing their money together, sharing their prayers and their words and their values, connecting together. Again, we're going to see this over the next few weeks, even every day, every day, sharing life together. You know, I think one of the biggest lies that can make its way into Christianity is that the Christian faith is all about me and God. It's all about the individual. It's all about what I do in my spare time. It's all about what you do in your spare time. I know that's just not true at all. Because God has always designed that this life of faith be played itself out within a community, within the local church. If we hook back to the first two things, apostles' teaching and prayer, yes, they're meant to be things we do on our own, but also within the context of the story, these were things the church did together. When they were going to hear the apostles' teaching, they'd gather together, listen together, talk together, and apply together what the apostles were saying. When they came to prayer, the word there in the Bible for prayer is actually the prayers. It's the prayer meetings. It's the prayer gatherings. It's time together, united and connecting together. You know, there are no lone wolves in the Christian faith. The Bible talks about us as a family, every single person having a part to play, a body connected together that cannot survive without a member. If we try and do the Christian life on our own, it's like coming back to rugby, it's like going out onto the pitch on your own, one person, no teammates against 15. I can tell you that's not going to go very well because we need people. We need community, we need the church, we need fellowship. I need people to pray with and encourage me and challenge me and eat with me and laugh with me and joke with me and cry with me. You need people. Whether you are on the extroverted end of the spectrum or the introverted, it doesn't matter. We need connection. And also, people need you. People need you. People need the personality and the gifts and the character and the words that you have to bring. So again, can I encourage us together to renew and ask God 
Some of us need to ask God just for a revival of desire to be with people. We spent a long time on our own. Some of us are desperate for people. Some of us, we've slightly isolated ourselves. And I want to tell you today, there's a community that loves you and is here for you and wants to connect with you. And if we look at these first three, if we look at apostles teaching, prayer and fellowship, we can see kind of at the heart what it was that these early believers were devoted to. It was really two things. They were devoted to God and they were devoted to people. They were devoted to God and they were devoted to people. And this shouldn't really come as a surprise to us because these early church, they were living on the life of Jesus. They were carrying on the work and the ministry of Jesus. And when we read about Jesus, he spent his whole life doing these things. He was devoted to God and he was devoted to people. He knew the scriptures. He knew the Bible. He studied it. He memorized it. He internalized it. He used it. He drew away to be with his father in connection and prayer, pouring out his heart to God and listening for wisdom in return. Devoted to God and to people, his whole life shared with family and friends, eating and walking and healing and sharing and pouring himself out for the sake of others. This is the life of Jesus. And this is the life for those of us who would call ourselves Christians here today. Little Jesuses, disciples, followers of Jesus. This is the life that we're called into as well. You know, there was a moment when Someone came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing that I could possibly do? And Jesus replied, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Be devoted to God, be devoted to people. Live your life with these two as your core foundation and values and your light will shine bright like the sun, you will step into what Jesus says is the abundant life, life in all his fullness. If we will follow Jesus, copy Jesus, learn from Jesus and the early church, then I honestly believe there's nothing that we can't step into united together. And so with that, we come to the fourth of the four things. Some of you thought I'd forgotten, thought I'd gone off on one, I haven't. Number four, we need a revival of devotion to the breaking of bread. We need a revival of devotion to the breaking of bread. This was one of the four things that the early church gave themselves to. And what it's talking about here is communion. It's communion. And you know, I think this perfectly brings together this devotion to God and this devotion to people. Because when we take communion, when we take the bread and the juice, the wine, what we're doing firstly is we're communing with God. We're connecting to God. We're expressing our devotion to the one who is utterly devoted to us to the one who loved us so much that he chose to give up perfection of heaven, come and be born in the lowliest of circumstances, spend his life serving others, and then end his life on a cross. The one who loves us. And when we take communion, we're remembering this sacrifice. We're reflecting. We're receiving afresh from God. And we're expressing our utmost trust and reliance on him. We're devoting ourselves to God, but we're also devoting ourselves to people. Because, you know, communion, again, when we look back in the context, it wasn't something that people took on their own. We can do it on our own, but that wasn't the case. No, they take it in the context of a meal, a family, a fellowship gathered around a table. They'd be eating together, laughing and joking and crying, and then someone would come and they'd take the bread and they would take this shared life and they'd offer it up to God and say, God, would you come into this community, into this household, into this family together? And so, again, I want to encourage you this week, why not? As a household, parents with your kids, maybe with your life group on Zoom, maybe with a couple of friends, take communion several times in that context, as family, gathered together in a meal. 
But we're also going to take it together now as a church family, as guests. And as we do, you know, I think there's something really powerful in that unity of saying, you know, even though we are scattered, (laughs) even though this year has been a year like no other and we're joining from all around the country and all around the world, together we are still united. And we're united by this devotion to God and devotion to others, devotion to the people here in this room as I'm speaking, devoted to people in our life groups and our families. So we're going to take communion together. And for those of you in the room, I want to encourage you, if you're able, would you stand with me? Those of you who are at home, you might want to stand, but we're going to do this together as a family, as friends. And what we're going to do first is we're just going to take a moment just to settle ourselves and prepare ourselves. You know, I know some of your stories, but I don't know many of them. I don't know how close you feel to God right now, where your desires are, what your habits are like, where your devotion is. But let's just take a moment. And if you're comfortable, some of, some of you here, you might not be Christians yet. That's okay. You can take this moment <laughs> to welcome Jesus in. For those of us that are, why don't you just take a moment and say, God, I just give you my life again. <laughs> I give you my devotion. I'm, I'm aware that I've gone astray. <laughs> that some of the things that I've been thinking about and doing and spending my time on, they're not quite what you would have for me. And I'm really sorry. And I need you, Jesus. I need you now to awaken, to revive my devotion to you through the Bible and through prayer, through the Spirit, to revive my devotion to this church family and community. Jesus, would you come by your spirit right now? Come fill us. And then as we take the bread together, Jesus, we're reminded of your body broken for us on the cross, the ultimate devotion that you gave to us, that you showed to us. And we receive the grace and the strength that we need. (laughs) As your body together, we remember and we reflect and we are so grateful (laughs) that even when we mess up, even when we go astray, even when our hearts are out of alignment, you still love us and you chose us and you forgave us and you set us free. So we receive your body again today. Yeah, and as we take the juice, the wine, Jesus, we just remember your blood shed for us, your blood that frees us, forgives us and cleanses us, frees us from all the things that are now behind us that we've said sorry for and frees us for a life of devotion, a life of passion, a life of faith. And so we take the juice together. And let me just pray a a blessing over you as we come into a close. Father God, I want to thank you for every single person 
listening today, here today, tuning in, I want to thank you that you know them and you love them and you have an amazing plan for them that is too big for them to do on their own, that needs to be done in community and connection with others. And so as we close our time in worship, we just say, Jesus, we're yours. Come use us, shape us, fill us, send us out into the world, into our homes, into our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, our schools, our colleges. Send us up full of your spirit, revived individually and together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to close our time now by worshipping again together. And uh, if you, during that time, said yes to Jesus, then I am so thrilled for you. For those of you watching online, there's going to be a link coming up. You can tune in to that. We really want to help you take next steps. So for all of us, let's just open our lives and our hearts again to Jesus. So over to the team.